0: listening to The Apple Slice, an educational podcast about education. Welcome to The Apple Slice. I'm Sandy. And I'm Melissa. And today we're going to be talking about Kagan Cooperative Learning Structures. Mm -hmm. So, Melissa, why don't you tell them why we picked this topic? Um,
1: Well, really, um, we teach Kagan a lot um, to our undergraduate student students I really, um, I don't want to say buy in, but I I, I really um, enjoy his his learning strategies, his learning methods, his teaching methods. Um, Do you?
0: Yeah, I think we've been using Kagan structures where we work now, I mean, probably going on. Like seven or eight years, yeah, and um, another a colleague actually brought it to our attention and it, so I guess we should say what cooperative learning strategies or structures are. Yes, but it's just kind of getting away from the traditional mindset of the teaching structure where students are sitting in rows, they don't talk, the teacher presents all the information. just a few students respond to the teacher's questions and many times students feel reluctant to share in front of everyone.
1: So it's like
0: turning away from that strategy Mm -hmm. into more of a what?
1: Um, It's more of a teaching arrangement um, that you purposely group students together, giving them a very specific task or job. Um, But it is kind of the thought that human behavior is influenced by um, each situation that you're in. So setting up specific situations For your kids. So, you are wanting them to um, gain this knowledge. They're not going to do it by themselves, they are going to do it through purposeful situations that you put them in.
0: And I think it creates more of a collaborative learning environment where yes. students are learning from each other, the teachers learning from the students as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, when I think back, I'm like, well, I can remember doing group work in fourth grade where you yeah. were the reporter and you yes. were the, you know, yeah. so uh, Melissa and I actually talked about the fact that cooperative learning can be its all uh, an episode all oh, on yeah. its own. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're not going to go really deep into actual cooperative learning. You'll have to wait on a future episode for that. But we wanted to highlight Kagan because particularly in the part of the country where we live, it's a pretty popular concept among teachers. It is.
1: And, and, and I just um, looked in. He, ha- he has written several books. And in one of them, um, it said from traditional to cooperative learning. And this kind of summed it up really well for me. Um, in a traditional classroom, a good class is a quiet class. In cooperative learning, um, you teach, and it involves healthy noise. That's mm-hmm. what he calls it. Um, traditional, keep your eyes on your paper. Cooperative learning, um, ha- help your partner solve it. Mm-hmm. Okay? In a traditional cl- classroom, sit quietly. And then in cooperative learning, get up and look what others did. In a traditional classroom, talking is cheating. And in a cooperative learning classroom, you verbalize to learn that really summed it up really well for me. So for some of us, it is like the parallel mm-hmm. or the complete opposite right. of of what we have been taught if you went to school, you know, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure, and I mm-hmm. I like that last part in particular. I think that's why I buy into the, the strategies because I think when you verbalize and talk about your learning, you're making your thinking visible. So really, Kagan is... Just trying to get everyone involved. He calls it active engagement for every student. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Can I go in a little bit, although it was very hard to find Kagan's history, can I go into a little bit of his history? Yeah, I did find some too, so let's see if it matches up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, Spencer Kagan, he was born March 8th, 1944. Um, He went to Beverly Hills High School, and it looks like he was very active Mm -hmm. in his high school. Um, He went to the University of California, Berkeley, and he majored in undergrad in political science and graduated with that in 1965. Okay. Okay jump in when you have something
0: no you're doing good so far. Uh,
1: he then went to University of California LA and um, studied in clinical psychology for his master's which he graduated in
0: 1970 and he got his PhD in 1973 so, yeah, that all lines up with what I found too, specifically about looking at cooperative behaviors among children. I found he's been doing research on that and work, looking at that since 1967. That's where I got so, to. it sounds like when he was in getting his master's degree, is when all of that started. And then he actually started using cooperative learning methods in 1972 mm-hmm. in his own classes at the University of California, Riverside, mm-hmm. right? Um, it looked like he adjunct, and, and I'm
1: going to say a lot of <laughs> different roles in a university, and I really don't know the difference of them. So from 72 to 73, he adjunct. From 73 to 74, he was assistant professor in residence. Okay, I don't know what that means. From 74 to 75, he was a lecturer. Okay. From 75 to 77, he was an assistant professor. From 73 to 77, he also was a lecturer for master's degree programs in counseling. And he did, basically, he hopped like his, he, he worked his way up until roughly 1989. And then in 1989, he, it looks like he stopped working at the university and became the
0: director of Kagan. Okay. So, essentially all those things you just said. Is like how his contracts outlined differently. I think uh, <laughs> I got it right off yeah. his
1: CV, which is his resume. Mm-hmm. And that man has a very, very lengthy resume. Like, what have I been doing Still my whole that. life? <laughs> <laughs> I <particularly>, well, you
0: <laughs> not you know. as much as him. <laughs> we can look forward. But um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought the most interesting part of all of that about his history was that I liked reading that he put these ideas into practice mm-hmm. with his. It said with his student teachers. Ooh. Yeah. So he started when he I was teaching classes about his, um, about student teaching, you know, you're at the end of your program and he tried to use these with his student teachers. Then it went so well that he got, as he got more involved with like training teachers in general, that's when he started applying the strategies to like kindergarten up. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, the man knows his stuff. He's an internationally acclaimed researcher presenter and author of over 100 books, chapters, and scientific journal articles. That's really what the majority of his resume or his CV is, Mm -hmm. is everything, how many times he's been asked to put his input in. Um, But he is a respected researcher Mm -hmm. in this field for sure. He still provides um, workshops and keynotes in over 30 countries, and his books are translated into many languages. And really, I tried to get in contact with him um, to maybe set up an interview, and he was in Europe. So he is Mm -hmm. right
0: now traveling and and teaching others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, I think it all boils down to, um, these are like pedagogy ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think Melissa's going to share a few of his Um, most popular ones or most liked ones but I just like the idea that it doesn't really matter what we're teaching yeah we can use his strategies Mm -hmm. in our
1: classrooms and and I I've personally thought this and then I read it a couple places that um, it's even easier to use it in social studies because um, when you are teaching social studies standards a lot of times it has to do not so much opinion based, but there there's feelings and attachment. If you want to make the content stick, you're trying to teach them how do how do you think people felt through this and 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 that type of stuff. And so his his strategies work really well there. And also language arts. Mm-hmm. You know I've seen it done in math and science, mm-hmm. but it, they are just they they are really powerful in social studies and language arts.
0: in my opinion. So before she kind of shares some examples, I want to go back and touch a little bit on this idea that I read about a lot as I was trying to research Kagan and his strategies. There really seemed to be a sense of that. The traditional classroom creates competition among students, which I have to say is not something I really thought about before. I did. Yeah, that. And, I mean, I always just thought it was like, oh, those kids always raise their hand and answer questions. And I will, how I will say that I've even
1: been guilty to get competition going, to get mm. kids to compete against each other.
0: And sometimes it really did work, um, and sometimes maybe it didn't work so well. Well, you know, he, the claim there that I saw was like, when kids raise their hands, first of all, you have to be a kid that raises your hand. Right. And then if you don't get called on, you get disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then when that kid doesn't answer correctly, you get excited again right. because then you get like this whole, you know, circular path that I never really considered before. It's because you were always the kid that raised their hands and got it right. No, no, no. But I, I, so now I feel bad. I'm all these people feel bad. <laughs> but no, um... So uh, so that was just interesting to me to kind of think about that because he said I was really looking for other ways where it becomes more cooperative environment, right? not the competition. And just to give a more concrete example, his point was a lot of times people want to say, oh, you're just born that way, like mm-hmm. you're a competitive person or you're not. And that might be true to some degree. But he gave an example in an interview I found where he said, really, everybody is both. Mm-hmm. Because he said... And it's all about that situational context that you are talking about mm-hmm. before. And he said, for example... If all of us are in a building and we see smoke and we hear alarms, we will work together to get everybody out. Mm -hmm. But if we were in that same building and someone came in and threw money everywhere and said, Mm -hmm. "Um, whatever you get, you keep, Mm
1: -hmm. now
0: we become very competitive with each other. And both those things are determined by the situation, right? I just like the idea
1: that learning is not on the shoulders of the teacher, That it is a learning community, and we, and and, and I even go into, did you um, find anything on his, like, behavior? Um, He co-authored Win-Win Discipline. A little bit about that. Um, But, like, he even goes into it there that... I am not the teacher, which me or I'm the teacher, which does not mean I make the rules, I present all the knowledge, that we're a community. So these rules are agreed upon and we work together. This knowledge that we are that we are trying to seek, we are doing it together. And I, I just really like that idea. It really it really takes the idea of teaching away from the school mom at the front of the mm-hmm. room at her desk. And never breaking that barrier of, I'm the teacher, I stay up here, you are the students, you stay back there, and knowledge comes from me, and it flows to you, but don't talk back. You know, like, yeah. I, I just like the whole idea of it.
0: I agree, and I don't know if it's, like, it releases pressure or stress of, like, being the teacher, but I don't feel like I'm the holder of all the knowledge. Right. You know, I, someone once shared a illustration with me where, like, I'm almost ready to get my PhD, I'm almost finished, So people automatically think that means you know a lot. And it's like, no, like if a circle represented all the knowledge in the world, Mm -hmm. I know like one little tiny dot on that big circle. Right. I know a lot about that dot. Yes. But then there's a whole other part of the circle I don't know anything about. Right. And so that really resonated with me. And that's where I feel like I can get this. And in some of
1: my classes, and even when I was a fifth grade teacher, and now that I teach undergrads, I tell them you're going to ask me a question and I want you to know, I don't know all the answers or I might think I know the answer. Then we find out it's wrong. That doesn't mean I'm not a good teacher. I am just a trained conductor, right? I'm the one that leads you to this knowledge and the knowledge can change. I remember I was in the fifth grade classroom and Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. And I was like, dang. <laughs> and, it, and a kid told me, he was like, aren't you embarrassed? I'm like, no, like mm-hmm. good job. You know, I don't know. But I think it's a, a different thought process and a different stance that teachers have to take. Yes, yeah, a completely different approach. Which sometimes it then helps to uh, to start it at the beginning of a year mm-hmm. because your discipline is going to look different, um, the sound of your classroom, the
0: look of your classroom is going to look different. Um, but I I encourage everybody to try it out. Yeah, I even think that's true because Kagan structures have worked. Well, for us, mm-hmm. when we have led workshops for adults mm-hmm. or we're teaching our students who are adults, they're not just, you know, good for one type of student right. or another. Right. We've we've used them in lots of situations. Mm-hmm.
1: So do you want me to... I looked over through a couple of things, and it's really funny because Kagan has done his own thing and he's done his own books and he has his own website, and then I found, like, two other people who... Their job is to share Kagan's things, and they do say this is Dr. Kagan's work. Mm -hmm. But I think they're making their own money. Like, they're just like, you know. Yeah, go ahead and tell us what you got. So the top five structures to start with that I saw, um, the first one is called Rally Robin. And what you do is in pairs, students alternate generating brief oral responses. Okay? So that sounds very... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so what you do is that, um, a student will have an opportunity to speak and that they're required to to speak. Um, wouldn't you agree that like they, they, you are telling me what you think about this? And
0: I think that's the biggest hurdle that I've seen to get over with our college students mm-hmm. is you. we just have to keep at it to say, like, no, 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 you can't just sit there. Right. <laughs> you, and you what you have say is a value. Yes. And if you decide not to talk, you are
1: harming everybody else. Yeah. Um, the next one is time, pair, share. And students will pair up and share with a partner for a predetermined time while the partner listens, and then they switch roles, okay? So they're going to find their partner, or you're going to assign their partner. I think it's really important how you partner people. If you let them choose a partner, are they choosing their best friend? Because then they get to have fun. You know, only you know the environment and the climate of your kids. Um, But they're going to pair up, and I'm going to set two minutes on my smart board and they have two minutes to say everything the other person's not allowed to talk Mm.
0: and then they flip and then um the other person gets to talk um i think that's one reason why i feel drawn to these ideas too because i think naturally as a teacher with experience you figure some of this stuff out yeah um you know i remember early on i taught first grade little kids And I can just remember that environment of like, you're, you're trying to talk about story or introduce a unit and everyone's got their hands up because they all want to tell you something. And I learned really quickly that they didn't really want to tell me. (laughs) They just wanted to tell someone (laughs) So let them tell someone. So I would say, turn to the person beside you and tell them what you're thinking. Exactly. (laughs) And they
1: they need to do that to be able to see, to, to attach it to what they already know. This teacher is going to teach me something new. Let me open up that
0: past schema that I have so I can accurately attach it. And then sometimes I think, whatever it is that they have to say is a barrier like yes. they don't they can't hear anything else until they say yeah. what's right there so yep. yeah i like that okay, okay keep
1: going uh round robin in teams students take turns responding orally okay and it can look a
0: bunch of different ways it can we've done that one i think as like uh, as part of professional development ourselves. (laughs) And it's funny to see, um,
1: our fellow faculty, a lot of them are like, I don't want to talk. Like even adults can have issues. And so it really is, um, it is a kind of a climate that only you can cultivate. Like it takes work for them to know how to do this. I've walked into a classroom and they'll say round Robin and they know exactly what to do, but it's like lining up. I'm going to teach you how to line up. I'm going yeah. to teach you how to walk into my classroom. I'm going to
0: teach you how to do a rally robin. Um, That's a great point because I think, like, what you're – these strategies are not necessarily comfortable at first. Right. And they are or not so natural. natural. Yeah. yeah. Because I always laugh when we walk into a faculty meeting – everybody's sitting in the back yeah nobody wants to <laughs> all volunteer <faculty> <laughs> <laughs> like it's so funny how it's just a repeat of the of the regular oh, classroom yeah.
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. okay I got two more all right uh rally coach okay. and that's with partners and they ter- take turns one solving a problem while the other coaches then they switch I did this in math before I knew what rally coach was but because we all know that you learn better when you teach And so, fine, I'm going to pair you up. And that does not mean you pair a high with a low by any means. Good point. Um, Stand up, hand up, pair up. I think this one's the most popular, at least that we have seen. Yeah. Um, Students stand up, they raise their hand, and they quickly find a partner. And it, like, it's so funny because, like, you stand up, and I always have them, like, high-five each other. Like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, hold each other's hand. (laughs) And they find someone, and they sit down. Mm -hmm. And then they can discuss and share ideas. And you can do it a bunch of different ways. If you're in the red group, you have to go to a blue group. You know what I mean? You you, you can uh, manipulate it any way that you want to. Um, But these cooperative structures, they engage students, they foster independence, and they really do prevent disruptive behaviors. Because if you think about it, disruptive behaviors happen when someone doesn't have a job with all of these someone is everyone is always engaged mm-hmm. everyone has a job and they have a purpose in the classroom and it's not just to sit and listen to you talk
0: because how many times have we sat through a workshop where we are like I got to get up like yeah. I got to walk around right yes even Kagan himself said each structure has its benefits and its limitations which I appreciate him
1: saying that thank yeah. you cuz every everything in the classroom the same thing and
0: so to rely exclusively on just the one you like or the one that you use most often is really limiting, yes. like experiences for your. So students. don't find
1: one and cling to it and think that's the only fit, the only one out there. Right. He has a three inch book. It is a huge book mm-hmm. um, that goes over all of his structures, um, and I highly encourage you can even just like check it out from the library before you buy it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a great book. It's called K- Kagan Cooperative Learning. Um, and it's by Dr. Spencer Kagan. Yeah, so you
0: can check our show notes, and we'll put a link up to yeah. his site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can I talk about
1: his ABCD of disruptive behavior? Oh, please do. <laughs> um, so he co- co-authored a book called Win-Win Discipline, and he co-authored that book with Patricia Kyle and Sally Scott, and they basically decide that there are beha- students' behaviors is a result of their unmet needs. And that really does sound familiar if you're going to, like, do research on theorists. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came up with the ABCD of disruptive behavior. It's aggression, breaking rules, confrontation, which is a power struggle, and disengagement. And really, I think I agree that disruptive behavior can fall into one of those four categories most of the time. Sounds good. And then in their win-win discipline book, they kind of came up with five P's. Two, discipline, like, like an approach to it. Mm-hmm. So the first P is pillars, and that's the idea that we are all working together to solve problems and have students practice appropriate behaviors, okay? So we are putting those pillars in those students' lives. Okay. We're not just presenting knowledge. We're teaching them how to work together. We're teaching them how to solve problems. Yeah.
0: I saw that, too. He was saying, like, being able to do this will help them with their future world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And just like anything, in the beginning of the year, it's going to take more work. And your colleagues might even say, why are you wasting time with that? But give it a couple It'll weeks. Pay off, yeah. And you're going to zoom ahead of them. Yeah. Um, the second pillar is Procedures. Um, It's the idea that a little prevention about teaching procedures can go a long way. You know I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. Um, That their procedures are super important. And rules are actually just an agreement between the teacher and the students and the students between themselves.
0: And that's true for any organizer group. Yes, Mm -hmm. and I feel like
1: we've talked about that. I think it's funny. I love it when these researchers... um, Publish stuff, and it's stuff that we've talked about in a different podcast, just our thoughts and ideas. <laughs> We're so smart, Sandy. Right. Um, the third p- pillar is positions, and it's the idea that students' physical and emotional states, that they have them, um, that they are not wrong, they're not right, that a student will come to you in a stu- certain physical state, in a certain emotional state, and you can't say you're in a bad mood that doesn't work today. They're going to come to you no matter what. Um, They just are, and their behaviors and their feelings can directly affect their behavior.
0: Yeah, that's probably one I would have to work on the most. Because, you know, how many times have I said about our students, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like, when you're here, you've got to be ready. I treated my little ones different
1: than my big ones. My big ones, I see, like, you're going to be walking into the classroom. Yeah. I don't care if your cat got hit by a car. You still need to pull it together. But when my little ones, their cat got hit by a car... Mm. I understood. That's devastating. Yeah. Um, Except for the whole cat part. It's a cat. Now, don't say that. (laughs) Did you say now or meow? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Four is process. That's the fourth P. And it's that um, for you to be able to identify that the behavior, that their position, um, that the idea that you are immediately responding and that they are in a structured environment all works together. Like the process of... They have a, they have certain behaviors they need to um, practice that they have a position that they're coming in, remember physical or emotional, um, and that you are immediately responding. You're not saying like, "Oh this is going to be a bad day," or I'll deal with that after lunch or recess to mm-hmm. immediately respond to their needs. The fifth one is programs and it's the idea that if schools have really good programs, it can decrease student behavior mm-hmm.
0: um, because an engaged student is seldom disruptive.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so true. I'm just thinking about, like, how many times has a school had something really good going and then the funding gets cut or the position gets cut. And you can
1: see the effects in a bunch of really different places. Yeah, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I
1: have stuff on cooperative learning, but I think I want to save it for a cooperative learning one.
0: I think that sounds like a great idea because, actually, I was challenged this time to really say, hey... It's not just Kagan. What else is out there? So doing a little extra research would probably be beneficial for myself as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then then we can dive into cooperative learning. I think that I found that there have been, over the course of, you know, a couple decades, about nine different researchers researchers, Mm -hmm. that have been pounding away at this cooperative learning, and they each have taken their own little specialty, their own little cut Mm -hmm. out of it. Um, But I will say, if you're kind of leery of it, um, that there is an overall general consensus um, in our field that cooperative learning um, can and usually does result in positive student outcomes um, in, all do- in all domains. I did see um, through some very lengthy research article that, um, that cooperative learning can enhance social interaction, but you've got to make sure that you're teaching it. If you're not teaching that it is a social situation and you want them to react and act a certain way, then it's not going to work. But it definitely does work for those at risk students. It's because it's teaching them a different way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. So if you have any
0: questions, please contact us. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And if you have never heard, kagan spend some time looking around or asking your colleagues about it as well yeah um gr- grab his book kagan cooperative learning um from the library check
1: it out look at it i would highly recommend reading it you will get lost in it it's huge but it's really well written it's not a textbook it's definitely a how-to manual mm-hmm. um it's very
0: um it's an easy read and you can implement the strategies right away yes you definitely can
1: uh please like us on facebook share us with your friends give us a rating on itunes all right thank you
0: for more information including show notes visit us at theappleslice.info